Take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter number 8. Mark chapter number 8. Mark chapter number 8. And we're going to start down in verse number 14 in just a moment. Mark chapter number 8 and verse number 14. Continuing our series in the book of Mark and lots of great things that apply to our lives, lots of truth. I think there's lots for us this morning as well. Mark chapter number 8, and we're going to start reading in verse number 14. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for another time. And Lord, I pray that our hearts now would be in tune to your word. Lord, help us to focus. Bring it to mind as we need it. Lord, help us to understand and to trust You. I pray these things in Your holy and precious name. Amen. So verse 14 we just saw, the disciples had went across the Sea of Galilee. And as they are crossing the lake, the disciples still had bread on their mind. I think I would have got along with these guys pretty good. I'm always thinking about food as well. And uh, these men forgot they had not brought in food. Now, that's really hard for me to imagine that I would forget food. But these men did. And, you know, these men were like us. And I kind of thought about this as I was reading the Scripture and studying it this week. Uh, you know, you, have, you know, men, we banter. You know, when something doesn't go right, we banter around. You know, and maybe Peter looked at John and said, this is your fault. And maybe... Peter looked at James and said, James, why didn't you remember the bread? And James then looked at Levi and said, hey, why would you only take one loaf? Come on. You know, I mean, there could be that conversation that took place. I don't know. And that's definitely extra biblical. There's no account of that. But men are men. I know them. And there was some banter going on here. And Jesus uses their forgetfulness as an opportunity to teach them some things they needed to learn. Now, the disciples, they had witnessed a bunch of miracles now, hadn't they? They had seen some pretty miraculous things take place. Some really amazing things. And they just had saw Jesus put the Pharisees in place in a previous verse. I'm pretty sure that their self-confidence was not a mile high. It was like seven miles high. They really thought they had it all together. And well, we're going to find in these verses, they had still room to grow. And, and, and to move forward for Jesus Christ. And these verses speak to us today. There's times when we can think ourselves more highly than we ought. We think that we got it all together, and to come to find out the Word of God shows us we still have lots of learning to do. And maybe sometimes it's a cutting down of us to size of what we actually are. Because we can get a self-inflated view of ourselves. The Lord's request in verse number 15. And He charged them, saying, Take heed. Take heed, be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Herod. Jesus knew what the disciples were thinking. He used the style of bread uh, to speak to their hearts. He warns them to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. And, and let me explain this a little bit. Uh, and Leaven is another word for yeast. All right? And a yeast added to dough will make it rise. I remember still watching my grandmother's homemade bread rising. You know, 
I love seeing that thing rise up because in a little while I was going to put lots of butter on that and peanut butter and it was going to be great. You know, but the reality is it's used to, to rise bread and a yeast can lie dormant for months. I didn't know that until this week as I was studying this out. Then at the first hint of moisture, it comes alive. It starts doing its work. And uh, yeast will completely fill the whole lump of dough. And it feeds on the dough and produces gases which cause the dough to ferment. The only thing that can stop leaven is extreme heat. It's the only thing. So when yeast is exposed to fire, it dies. In the Bible, leaven is always a picture of sin. Always. It's used as a picture of corruption. Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. The idea is that a little sin like yeast in our lives will cause a whole lot of problems. If it's not left, if it's left, not taken care of, it'll grow and infiltrate every part. So Jesus warns about the leaven or the evil influences of the Pharisees and of Herod. What is the leaven of the Pharisees? The leaven of the Pharisees is uh, described in Luke chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. The Pharisees were religious men, uh, but their religion was totally external. It wasn't a heart change. It was changing outside. That's what it was. It wasn't in their heart. They claimed to love the Lord, but they were uh, nothing but religious fakes. Okay? They, that's what they were. They were fake. They were trying to infiltrate the lives of those around them, and they would corrupt them even more. Jesus is warning here of his men of, of a, a danger of a hypocritical heart. And all of us need to make sure that we don't have one of those. Everyone in this room this morning, we need to make sure. It's easy to get cold toward and distant toward what God would have for our hearts and for our lives. It's easy. It's easy to pretend that all is well. You know, I'll be honest. Uh, as a pastor, I people know I'm a pastor, so I show up and they put on the nice happy face, and everything is fine, everything is good. I'm like, I can't see through people, but I can see that that's not true. Let's be real. Let's be real, and let's not have a hypocritical heart. Uh, we can be masters of pretending. Jesus is warning against us to have that hypocrisy in our hearts. We need to be sure that we are what we claim to be as we pass through this life. Be what God has called us to be. Beware the leaven of hypocrisy. What's the leaven of Herod? Matthew's account of the same event, Jesus calls it the, the leaven of the Sadducees. So the, uh, the uh, Pharisees would have been the religious conservatives of the day. Sadducees would have been the religious liberals of the day. Totally, completely opposite. They were extremely worldly, extremely secular, and they joined forces with King Herod and compromised with the Romans. So these people, both the Sadducees and the followers of Herod, were called Herodians. You might have seen that in Scripture. And the leaven that they infiltrate in their lives and teaching was materialism, worldliness, and compromise with the world. That's what they were teaching. And Jesus is warning His men not to get caught up for the quest for more of the world's goods. And, uh, and for the world's favor. The Lord's telling them back in, the, in 1 Peter 2.11 that we're strangers and pilgrims. He's telling us to do the same thing today. 
This is not our home. We're strangers and pilgrims to this world. Heaven's our home, amen? Heaven's where our final destination is if we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And Jesus is simply telling His people, regardless of the age in which they live, to beware of hypocrisy and worldliness and compromise. If we leave, let a little in and let it infiltrate. It will soon overwhelm the whole life. The Lord's command for His people is to be clean, to be holy, to be different. To be different. And expects His people to live that way. Number two, in verse number 16, we see, and they reason among themselves saying, it is because we have no bread. The disciples' confusion. The disciples hear the Lord's warning and they immediately misunderstand what He's trying to tell them. Their minds are so focused on the material, on the physical world. They're hungry and they want more food. And they cannot see the spiritual side of this conversation. They hear the Lord's words and immediately they start coming up with other thoughts of what He's trying to say to them. Is He rebuking us because we didn't bring enough bread? Is He telling us not to buy bread from the the Pharisees or Herodians? Maybe, Maybe some of those thoughts were running through the mind. And the answer is none of the above. Jesus isn't talking about real bread. He's merely using the leaven found in the bread as a metaphor to symbol a symbol of evil. But the disciples miss it. They miss it. Have you ever been in a conversation and you miss it? Oh, I've been in a few. I totally missed what was trying to be said. These guys missed it. Now, before we get too hard on these fellows, sometimes we need to understand that we can get spiritually dull as well. We can miss the spiritual application for our lives. We can get away from what the Lord would have for us. He wants us to understand His truth, and yet we fail to understand the meaning. We fail to understand what He's trying to uh, communicate to us. That's why we're not further along in our Christian life than we should be, because we miss something along the way. We miss the meaning. We misunderstood whatever the case is. That's why we're not seeing the victory over the sin, over the flesh, uh, like we would like to see, because we've missed the spiritual truth. We're so quick to dismiss what we see in here without ever realizing that God is trying to grow us and teach us and develop us for His glory. We miss it. Have you ever stopped to think about the privilege of going to church? That is a spiritual blessing that we forget so quickly. It's a blessing. When you can go to church, you are encouraged and wanting to be encouraging others. It's a wonderful place. It should always be a place of refuge, a place of encouragement. And it's a place that so many people around this world never get the opportunity to go to. We need to be thankful for this blessing. We need to be thankful that we have a church family. And I have an opportunity to enjoy the unity of the fellowship. To work together. Have you stopped to think about how the Lord's blessed us with MIBC? We're blessed. God has been good to this church. He has been wonderful to us. We do not deserve it. Don't allow the world mentality to say, I deserve something to affect, to say, hey, Lord, thank you. I don't deserve this. 
You understand there's people in China who will never step foot, a Christian would never step foot inside a church like this? They would love to be able to get up on Sunday morning at 6 o'clock and go to church. And we don't even get up that early to get to church. They would love to come and spend time with the brethren. Sometimes we can get a little bit hypocritical. I love my church, but then you talk down about it. Oh my, why would you do that? We're all in this thing together, amen? We're moving forward for the cause of Jesus Christ. Let's be thankful for we fail to recognize the blessing. We take it for granted. Have you ever stopped and considered all the songs that we sing and opportunities? We have the opportunity to offer praise to the King. We may say, sing the same song numerous times, and but we're privileged to sing it. Amen. Sometimes we get so fed up, we sing the same song. We get to sing. Let's get the right priorities here. It's not 700 songs. If it was only seven songs, we get to praise the King. Let's get the right priority. Let's understand what it's all about. It doesn't matter if we sing the same song a thousand times. Look at the words. Look what the, the, the hymn writer is trying to praise the Lord and show His love for the Savior. I, I have sung Amazing Grace in just about every place I could think of. And it's still a song that gives me goose pimples on the back of my neck. It's an amazing song. If we sang that every Sunday, it would still be worthy to be sung the next Sunday. Now let, remember, who are we doing for? It's not, if we do it for our flesh, you have missed out, my friend. It's for Jesus. That's who it's for. That's why we preach. That's why I preach. That's why other men preach. That's why we sing. That's why we serve. Consider for a moment other areas of your life. Have you ever stopped to consider that the trials and valleys you might face right now is the hand of the Lord working in your life? Have you ever thought about the truth that God is intimately involved in your life and He sees your routine? There's no, there's no accidental coincidence with the Lord. He has a plan. Aren't you glad for that? I'm so glad that it wasn't like, oops, Pastor Tyson left. Let's throw Pastor Alcock in there. That's not how the Lord worked. He had a plan. No, nothing takes Him by surprise. He has a plan for our life. And as we sit back, we need to sit back and see that we don't see the unseen hand, but we see the Lord's hand moving in our lives. And in our church. And maybe in our family. Well, definitely, hopefully in our family. And definitely in our life. That we see that God is working. Disciples didn't get it here. They were focused on the material world. And they failed to see the spiritual work of God in their midst. And I fear that we are much the same. God is seeking to grow us, to change us, to develop us, but we're so captivated by the world. Now, I, I prayed specifically this morning the way I did, knowing the message I was going to preach, because the world demands your attention. Listen to me. That the advertisement, the, the, uh, uh, shows, they, that's what they say. Listen to me! Everything else go away! Listen to me! Whatever the advertisement is. Whatever the message is trying to be promoted. Hey, we need to come to the Lord 
and say, I need to be captivated by you, not by the world. And we need to understand the Lord's working around us. And sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we forget it. Sometimes we're not aware of it. And when we're not, we miss out. We miss out what the Lord would have for us and what the Lord would have for us to enjoy. Verse number 17, And when Jesus knew it, He said unto them, Why reason ye? Because ye have no bread. Perceive ye not, neither understand. Have your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not. And having ears, hear ye not. And do not remember. When I break the five loaves among the five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? They said unto him, Twelve. And when the seven among four thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? They said, Seven. And he said unto them, How is it that ye do not understand? We see the Lord's objection to their thought process and what they were doing. And remember, Jesus started trying to warn up with them about the evils of the Pharisees and the Herodians, and he totally missed it. It went right over their heads. Totally missed what was being said. The Pharisees saw what Jesus could do and they refused to believe. The disciples were with Jesus when He performed many miracles and they saw Him do multiple things many times and they still understood, and they still could not understand that He would take care of them. They were worried about bread when they had one loaf. Did they not know that Jesus could take that one loaf and feed them all? They had just witnessed a couple instances where it wasn't very much, and he fed thousands. It's, for, it's one thing for unbelievers like the Pharisees to see, fail to see and believe. It's another thing for those who claim to know the Lord and to love the Lord to fail uh, to see His power and believe Him for their needs. Oh, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe the Lord will take care of me. What? That, 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 that doesn't make sense. That should not be part of our thought process. Jesus asked them a series of questions in verses 17 to 20. I read them for you. And they were designed to stir their faith. It was designed, to, the questions were designed to awaken them. Sometimes we need to ask some questions too, you know. Stir our minds, stir our hearts. And these questions were designed to remind them once again what God had done for others and for them. Jesus questions about their memories. Didn't you see Him feed 5,000 or 4,000? Didn't they hear His words and the response of the people to His words? Had they forgotten His mighty creative power? Are their hearts so hardened that it could not be penetrated by the things that they themselves had experienced? Jesus asked them specifically, how many baskets of fragments were left over in those two feeding miracles? Verses 19 and 20. And they answered 12 in the first and 7 in the second. The Lord's point in this is to get them to see that who they were dealing with. And they were dealing with the Son of God. All-powerful. The Pharisees had seen His miracles. Yet, when they had Seen that they were not convinced of his true identity, the Pharisees. But the same is true here for the disciples. They had seen they had seen baskets full of the Lord's power, but they refused to believe that he was able to do it. 
They failed to understand that Jesus Christ, who He was, and that Son of God in flesh. That unbelief among His own men must have been very frustrating, don't you think? Hey, as I lead, as I lead a family or lead a, uh, the congregation or maybe I'm involved with uh, maybe a sports team and I try to lead them and the people who are supposed to be following and uh, assisting in the, in the team, they don't believe the plan laid forward. That's frustrating for a leader. That's frustrating. And I cannot, uh, anything but believe the Lord was frustrated that His own men, His chosen men, would not believe. You know, their failure to fully appreciate and trust Him has been handed down to you and me. Truth. We are just like these men. Truth moment. We're just like these men. The Lord has done so much for us today. He's done so much for us. But you know, when we enter that next crisis of faith, we get afraid. We want to cower in the cave. We're like Elijah. We had a great victory at Mount Hermon. We, we see the, the fire come down, but then something else comes and we run away. I'm preaching to myself just as much as everybody else in this room right now. We all need to see our faith grow. Amen? Every one of us here this morning, we need to do what the Lord was trying to get these men to do and understand that we need to take time to reflect on what He has done and remember His power in our lives. It's not our power. It's His. It's His power that changes lives. And we need to stop and remember. That's what the Lord was doing here. He was causing these disciples to remember. Recall. And it's good for us to recall what the Lord has done. Amen? Because we are so forgetful as a people, we take things so for granted that we need to stop and pause. And if you want to use the term, we need to build some memorials for our Savior. Now, I'm not talking we go in our backyard and build crazy things. I'm talking about, I think it's a really good idea is to write things down what the Lord has done in your life. Now, i got a Bible over my office right now that my grandfather used when he first got saved. You should... There's some amazing notes in there. They were like memorials for him. And I get to read them. And I get to be encouraged. And it's great for you to write these things down and remember what the Lord has done. Stop and think about the mountains He has moved in your life. I'm not talking about moving the Rocky Mountains so you go to Vancouver on a flat road. I'm talking about in your life some major, major things and the Lord has brought you through. You need to stop. And you need to praise God above for that. And you need to remember, because you know what that does? It causes you to remember, my Lord is great. My Lord has power. He is all-powerful. We need to set up a memorial. Remember. Stop and think about all the answered prayers. Stop and... Thank the Lord for the peace of God and, and, and stop and think about the presence of His life and, and, and for the blessings He gives us for no apparent reason. Have you ever been just walking down the road doing your own thing and all of a sudden the Lord blesses you with something? That is, that's awesome when that happens. That's happened to me many times. You know, okay, I'm going to bring up food. You know it's going to happen again. Okay, I remember being in a restaurant one time and someone paid for my meal. 
I don't even know who he was. I was pretty pleased about that. I was excited. That was a blessing. Amen. I remember sitting down with an RCMP officer in Deer Lake, Newfoundland. He was the uh, superintendent of the detachment. And I wanted to be a uh, a pastor who was involved in community and things. And I said, I contacted the sergeant. I said, hey, can we go out for lunch? And there's not a whole lot of eating options in Deer Lake, Newfoundland. So I brought him to a uh, a road stop restaurant, uh, you know, big trucker stop. Lots of grease. He didn't need to chew much. But anyways, you know, we went there and ate. And I witnessed to him, encouraged him. And my intention that day was to buy his meal and be encouragement to him. You know, at the end of the meal, he goes, you know what? I think the government of Canada is going to pick up this tab. I'm like, yes, Lord. I was planning to be the blessing and the Lord turned around on me. We need to stop and give God the glory. We need to stop and write it down and make a memorial and say, Lord, thank you for what you've done. Stop and think about how He saved you. That should be the highest memorial of all. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that should make you pause and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. You don't deserve it. It was of His free will, of His love for us. Nothing is beyond His great power. Folks, just a few moments ago, I prayed here and I asked the Lord to touch the body of Mrs. Baker. I believe He can do it. Anyone who's sick. Who is the great physician? Jesus, our Savior. Listen, whatever it is in your life, He has the power. It might not be answered the way you want it to be answered. But He has a plan and He has all power to bring it together. Stop Reflect, remember. There's nothing in your life that He can't handle. There's things in your life that you can't handle, but there's nothing in your life that He cannot handle. We need to trust Him. And I know it's not easy, but we need to do it. Stepping out by faith. The first step is the toughest one, isn't it? You're not sure if this is going to work. And step out there and see what the Lord will do. You see, what Jesus is really trying to teach His disciples here is that what you have or what you can do, that doesn't really matter. You know, just because you have a lot of things or because you can do a lot of things, it's who you know is what matters. And who you need to know is Jesus Christ. That's what He's trying to get to them. You need to know Jesus and who walks with you. If He's in your boat, you don't have to worry about bread. Amen? If Jesus is in your life, you don't have to worry about bread. If you're a child of God today, He desires the best for you. He wants the best for you. Wholly trust Him. Don't trust Him a little bit. Say, okay, Lord, you can have this, but everything else over here is mine. I have to take, I don't really trust you to take care of that. You're going to get yourself in a whole lot of trouble quick. Give it to the Lord. Jesus will never fail. We have been failed by so many people. We've been hurt by so many people. Life has hurt us. But Jesus 
never fails. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, if you don't know the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior, I would encourage you. I I don't even have the words enough to encourage you to make that step. To take that step. He has changed my life. He has changed the lives of so many people here. He loves you and desires you to come to Him. Jesus does not want us to live our lives focused on earthly matters like bread. But that is often the case that we get ourselves into that rut that that's what we're focused on. He wants us to understand that a lack of bread is not real our real problem. Our real problem is that we do not see and we do not hear and we do not think about the things of God. Our real problem, our real problem is a lack of faith. Lack of faith. All of us here this morning, no matter how long you've been saved or how newly you've been saved, we all can grow in our faith in Jesus Christ. There's always room for improvement. There's always room for growth. The heart of the issue in this passage is not the leaven of the Pharisees or Herodians or the bread. It's the issue of lack of faith among the people of God. Now, we got a good. We got a good here in Canada. You want to admit it or not, we got it good. And when we got it good, we kind of rest on our laurels, don't we? Oh yeah, we're fine. Our church is fine. We're good. Hey, we're not good if we're not trusting in Jesus. We're on a dangerous path if we take our hands off the rudder and put our hands on the rudder instead of letting Jesus guide us. We do it ourselves because we're good. Oh, we are in big trouble. We need to be trusting the Lord. We need to see our faith grow when we see and hear, but do not comprehend. Oh my. Oh my. We read His Word, but we do not believe it. We have experienced His power, but we're not convinced that He's truly capable of taking care of us. Oh my. We've missed it. We've missed it. Help us to understand who Jesus is. The Lord is challenging each of us to examine our hearts and lives this morning in the light of His work in our lives. He's calling us to be radical in our faith in Him. Trust Him fully. Do not be captivated by the world, but be captivated by the Lord and to serve Him and do what He says. Hey, lay aside your what-ifs or how. Lay them down. Hey, folks, I'll tell you right now this morning, it wasn't too long ago I was questioning how could I ever pastor this church. A moment of transparency here for you. How? It was never through me. It's through Him. So whatever you're facing in your life, it's not how, it's by Him. It's by Him and Him alone.